All right. Good afternoon, everyone, or good morning. Uh, welcome to today's research seminar on the eFood uh, dataset and food security simulators for Kenya and Nigeria, um, innovative tools to support national policies and strategies. My name is Yomna Qasim. I am the program manager of the CGIR uh, initiative on national policies and strategies, as well as at the International Food Policy Research Institute, or ISPRI, and I will be your moderator for today. Um, today's seminar will introduce the uh, income and price elasticities of food demand dataset, or eFood, and the food security simulator tools co-created with our partners for Kenya and Nigeria. It will showcase their applications and provide um, space for discussions on uh, how to use these tools and how they can uh, be used to support policymaking. Uh, we will hear from a number of speakers and a panel. And after that, we'll open for questions. We're eager to hear from all of you. So please submit your questions, um, including who you are addressing the question to uh, in the Zoom Q&A box uh, at the bottom of your screen. And then please also remember to keep your uh, cameras off. So welcome everyone. Uh, thank you for joining our research seminar today on the eFood dataset and food security simulators for Kenya and Nigeria. I'd like to welcome our first speaker delivering opening remarks, Emmons Breisinger, the initiative lead for the CGIR initiative on national policies and strategies, as well as the country program leader of the Kenya Strategy Support Program at IFPRI. Over to you, Kern. Thanks, Yumna, and good afternoon from Nairobi, Kenya. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining this uh, global presentation on the eFood dataset and the food security simulators for Kenya and for Nigeria. It's my great pleasure to get us started with what I think will be an, a very exciting uh, one-hour uh, session here. So thanks for uh, joining us, everyone. Um, in my brief remarks, I'll focus on why the eFood uh, database and the food security simulators are important and timely innovations and how they are already being used by our national partners to inform decision-making as part of the CGIR initiative on national policies and strategies. The National Policies and Strategies Initiative or NPS in short is designed to support governments and related national research institutes in building policy coherence, integrating analytical tools and co-creating demand-driven policy information. As a result of the NPS initiative, the capacity shared and the evidence provided to decision makers is informing policies and strategies that affect the lives of millions of people across the world in Latin America, Africa, and Asia. The eFood database and the food security simulators can play an increasingly important role in this agenda going forward. Let me just mention a few points that highlight the large potential that the database and the tools have. The tools come at a really critical time where economic and price shocks seem to become more frequent in many places. We have seen a lot of local food price spikes in recent times, driven by global commodity price shocks, droughts and floods, or other global and local shocks that affect local food prices. Responding to such food price shocks requires rapid action. For such action to be effective and efficient, um, it's important to know the estimated size of the shocks incurred by households on food poverty and food security. Based on such information, emergency interventions, such as, for example, cash transfers, um, can be designed and implemented. And that's where the food security simulator comes in. As you will see in the presentation uh, by Olivier and Andrew, FSS is a rigorous analytical tool, yet it's very easy to use and very rapid to deploy. 
Because of this combination of rigor and ease of use, many analysts are starting to use the eFood dataset and the food security simulators. The eFood dataset and food security simulator tools for Kenya and Nigeria have already been downloaded more than 600 times over the past few months. They have also been used for informing policy. For example, the food security simulator has been deployed as part of an exercise to provide policy recommendations on the persistently high food prices uh, in Kenya. Uh, the food security simulator is also actively being used by national institutions in Kenya and Nigeria. And you'll see some examples of that later in the program. We'll also hear about next steps planned for the database and the simulators over the course of the seminar, including the planned expansion to additional countries. I'm looking forward to these next steps. Let me conclude this short speech by thanking all our national and international partners, all funders who support the National Policies and Strategies Initiative through their contributions to the CGIR Trust Fund, Olivier, Andrew, and your teams for developing these exciting uh, tools and all the contributors to the seminar and all of you that are participating. Thank you. Thank you very much, Clemens. Um, I'm now gonna hand it right over to Olivier Ecke, Senior Research Fellow at the International Food Policy uh, Research Institute to introduce us to the eFood dataset. So over to you, Olivier. Thank you very much, Yumna. Um, good morning, good afternoon um, from Washington, DC. Um, it is my great pleasure to introduce you to the income and price elasticities of food demand um, data set. I would like to, to acknowledge the contribution of my colleague, um, Andrew Comstock, as well as um, the important contribution from all our partners and donors. You know, this data set is a combined output of some of our research that we have conducted over the past five plus years that has been supported by these donors and uh, essentially also influenced um, by the demands of our partners. Next slide, please. So let me start by discussing what is um, the, the eFood data set. I would like to begin by explaining what are elasticities of consumer demand. An elasticity of demand measures the changes in consumption, for example, of a food item in response to a change in a determining factor. One of these or the most important determining factors are household income and a product price or here specifically a food price. Usually for measuring um, elasticities, consumption as well as income and price changes are expressed in relative terms. So we talk here about percentage changes. Now, income and, um, and price changes are associated, as Clemens has said, with economic growth, but they can also result from economic shocks, such as global economic and political, or even public health crises, as well as climate, uh, climate, climatic extreme events, as we have seen recently. However, they are also intended by policy interventions, such as cash transfer programs or food subsidies, for example. Income and price elasticities of food demand have a variety of uses. An important one is that these are in fact indicators of revealed consumer preferences that capture consumer behavior. Thus, in income and price elasticities have a direct interpretation of value that provides policy relevant information for evidence-based decision making. Another use of income and price elasticities is that they are important input parameters in a in a variety of economic uh, models and simulation equations, including those uh, simulations that are used for the food security, food security simulators, as you will see later on in uh, my colleague's Andrew's presentation. Hence, the eFood dataset is a useful tool for policymakers, analysts, and researchers to examine a variety of food consumption-related issues. The eFood dataset provides such income and own as well as cross-price elasticities of food demand for a selected uh, number of developing countries. 
if you want to access this tool, um, you can easily scan the QR code that you see here on my slide, and it will bring you to the Harvard Data so uh, Harvard Dataverse where the tool is stored. And then you can download either the complete um, Excel file or uh, separate files for uh, the different countries. Let me now come to the features of the eFood dataset. Next slide, please. The elasticities that are uh, provided through that tool are estimated from large nationally representative household surveys. In the current version of the eFood dataset, we have, uh, we have elasticities from 10 African and Asian countries. These are Bangladesh, Ethiopia, Kenya, Myanmar, Malawi, Nigeria, Pakistan, Rwanda, Tanzania, and Uganda. However, we constantly update um, these eFood datasets once new elasticity estimates are uh, becoming available. This We do this on a rolling basis upon um, a completion of a research um, project. You know, this work is also supported by our sophisticated um, or, and rigorous work. And you can see some of the publications that have led, um, um, that, or these are outcomes of the work um, related to the elasticity estimation. Now, let me talk a little bit about the methodology. All um, elasticities that are provided through this eFood dataset are estimated using a, a consistent methodology and we use complete demand system estimations. Now, these demand systems, they are estimated in two stages. On the first stage, we estimate a total food demand versus non-food demand. And on the second uh, stage, we look at food demand specifically and estimate the relationships between the different uh, dem demands for different food items. We do this at the second stage by using the quadratic version of, an, of Beaton's almost idle demand system. And in this demand system, we account for censored observations and we control for certain household characteristics. Also, all elasticities are estimated for 15 food groups. However, these 15 food groups, they vary from country to country based on the typical and country-specific consumption patterns. What is also important in this data set is that we estimate um, the demand systems in rural and urban areas differently because um, the demand structures or the demand curves underlying um, these, these uh, estimations may be different between rural and urban areas, partly because of an, a high consumption of unproduced foods. In the data set, all elasticities are estimated for the average household as well as by income uh, quintiles, each in rural and urban areas. I would like to stop here and would just like to tell you if you would like to le learn more about the methodology, we also have a data paper published where the methodology is explained in detail and the data set comes with a detailed user guide for further references. Back to you, Yumna. Thank you, Olivia, perfect. Uh, and over to Andrew Comstock, Senior Research Analyst at IFPRI, to now show us the food security simulators and uh, to demonstrate how it can be used. Floor is yours, Andrew. Thank you, Yuma. Um, so to begin with, as, uh, as others already have, I would like to thank our partners who have helped us develop these tools, that being the, the MPS initiative and all of our local partners in both Kenya and Nigeria. And I would like to acknowledge the contributions of Olivier in helping us, helping me and everyone else develop the tool. And uh, our collaborator in Kenya, June, who had intended to be a co-presenter on this presentation, but was unfortunately unable to make it. Next slide, please. As Clemens already mentioned, the, the food security simulator is really aimed at identifying and helping policymakers talk about all these recent successions of significant food crises. Now, food security in many countries has been impacted by these, by these different crises. And when these crises hit unexpectedly, rapidly, or in any, or in any kind of um, unexpected manner, you need a tool that can help you do a short and quick evaluation of the, the policy outcomes of these shocks. And these shocks can be from, from many different things. Some examples of recent shocks could be fuel subsidy reforms in Nigeria, Prices, price increases due to the release of import restrictions, COVID-19 pandemic being a very obvious one, and, the, and food prices in, 
the, the impact of food prices from the war in Ukraine. What the FSS does is it provides a tool for first cut evaluations of the direct household level outcomes of these economic crises in a very timely manner. And I think that's one of the most important aspects of the tool is that it's very, it's very easy to use and it allows you to quickly look at the outcomes of these shocks. Now, importantly, the, the food security simulator is designed for estimating the outcomes of the short-term impacts of the shocks. This is not necessarily a, a dynamic model. It does not look at direct consumption effects and assumes no changes in any other parts of the economy. What we're trying to accomplish here is to really look at short-term impacts of the shocks on household food security and diets. Next country, please, or next slide, please. Now, as I've, as I've already talked about, the, the features of food security simulator, it's easy to use. That was the whole point of this entire exercise. We didn't want to create another tool that was based in, in, in a complicated or expensive um, software program. We wanted to do it in Excel. And so we've created this tool within the Microsoft Excel and then provided a detailed user guide underlying how it works. And so if you have any further questions or any, uh, or any more detailed questions about the methodology and how to use the tool, we I would refer you to the user guide because we put a lot of effort into making sure that that explains a lot of the, the key the key factors. The tool provides detailed simulation results, but also concise tables and graphs for key indicators. So for those interested in more disaggregated results, more uh, and more detail, we provide those, those that information, and you can really kind of diagnose how the tool is working. But the real, the real star of the show is that we've also curated and designed these very nice looking graphs and tables so that if you, if you want to just play around with the tool, quickly assess how things are, how things are going, you can, you can input your shocks and quickly get some very nice graphs and tables. The, the tool is based in rigorous research with which my uh, colleague Olivia has, has already talked about, including using the, the income and price elasticities from the eFood data set and some and some uh, novel outcome indicators, including the red measure of dietary quality. This is really the the value added of the tool that, that we think we we allow the user to quickly access some detailed and and sophisticated analytical methods, that being the quades and some of our and some of our outcome indicators, through a very simple simple method. So you can it doesn't require actually understanding how all the math works. You can you can access and harness the power of those of of those models. The tool uses uh, the, the current versions of the tool, the one in Nigeria and Kenya, both use representative household survey data. We, we take a smaller sample and we, we elaborate from there. We use the, the KIHBS 2015-16 and the NLSS 2018-19. Now, importantly, one of the great features of this tool is it's very adaptable. So as, if we get new data, more updated household, uh, household uh, excuse me, nationally representative household survey data, we can quickly update the tool and all of the uh, outcome and input indicators and create new versions as, as, uh, as things move on. What also importantly is because uh, of the flexibility of the tool and it's based in, in the eFood data set where we have many more elasticities for many more countries, this tool can be easily expanded as well. So given if we have access to household survey data, that's really all we need. We can quickly uh, utilize the elasticities from the eFood, calculate new elasticities for the eFood, and then update the tool for a new country in, in a very short time frame, especially when you can compare it to some of the more complicated tools that, that, are, often, that are often used in this space. As we mentioned, the, the, the tool was piloted, piloted first in Kenya, and then we expanded it to Nigeria. Uh, next slide, please. And here you can see on, on, the, on the left-hand side, the, the launch event for the entire food security simulator that was in Kenya uh, this past June. Uh, that's me speaking in a large colorful tent. And then, we, we, then my, my colleague Olivier went and launched the, the tool in Nigeria uh, this past uh, end of October. In a, a court, uh, I should mention that the Kenya event was at the Kipra annual conference, which was, which was very, very lovely for them to have us. And then the Nigeria event was launched uh, in coordination with a, a variety of federal ministries uh, in Abuja. Next, next slide, please. So this is the food security simulator. Often in these presentations, I would go through and give you, give you guys a detailed uh, live example of how the si simulator works, but given time, time and uh, technological constraints, I'm not able to do that today. But this is, this is what you'll see when you open, open the first sheet. There's going to be a user input sheet in the main tool where you input your price and your income shocks. 
the price shocks are disaggregated by rural and urban and for a variety of different food groups. Um, the food groups are customized for each country. Right here, we see the, the food groups that we were using in the Nigeria tool, but the Kenya tool will be slightly different based on local food consumption patterns. And any other further tools we make will, be, will also likewise be customized for the country context. The income shocks are by rural and poor and non-poor. These are kind of set, but again, we the, the tool is very dynamic and, and very flexible. So uh, depending on local context and local demands, we can, we can change this. The user simply inputs the shocks into the tool. The tool does the rest. There's no need to hit run. There's no need to hit go. The micro simulations uh, programmed into the tool will automatically calculate all of the changes in food security outcomes and diet quality, which leads me to the next. After you put the input in, you get your simulation output. And here I haven't, I've, I've eschewed showing you the, the more detailed output in favor of showing you some of the more curated outputs. But the, again, this is one of the highlights of the tool is we create these very nice, nicely formatted curated tables showing a variety of different outcomes. Um, the, the outcomes are include food poverty rate, as we see here, food undernourishment, food consumption, calorie consumption, diet quality indicators, which are very helpful. And then in the disaggregated array, you can see diet quality contributions and a variety of diet, other diet information consumption gaps for all of the food groups, for all, for all of the food groups in the Eat Lancet diet. I should, I should mention that the, the diet quality is based on a reference diet from the Eat Lancet, but again, this is adjustable too. So the whole point of this tool is it's flexible and we can adjust to, to local context and needs. Um, next slide, please. So how do you access the food security simulator? Well, click on the, the, it's available either through the CGI or website, the F3 website, the F3 website, or from the, the Harvard Dataverse. Importantly, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna really stress this, the, the tool itself is combined of two separate Excel files. One is the, the, the functioning tool itself where you input the shocks and you get your disaggregated outputs. Then the second one is going to be a sheet of the curated tables and figures that we provide. So. These two files, because they link to each other and Excel saves relative links, need to be saved in the same place when you download. So you're going to download the files from the Harvard Dataverse after finding access to them on the CGI website. And then you're going to save them both in the same place. And then you're good to go. No diagnostics needed, no fancy software needed, no, no real technical know-how. You can immediately start putting in, putting in shocks, seeing outputs, and... As, as others have talked about, it, it works very quickly. So I would really encourage people to, to spend a lot of time, not even a lot of time because it's so quick, but spend time playing around with the tool because you can quickly, quickly look at, okay, what if I did a 10% income shock here and a 10% price shock on this good? Oh, okay, well, I did that. What about this? What about that? And so it allows policymakers and, and just generally anybody interested in food security and diet quality to really quickly harness the power of the demand elasticities that we've created in the eFood data set and then look at the, the diet quality outcomes for just a variety of different, uh, different shocks and simulations. It really, the, the only limit is, is your imagination. <laughs> and with that, that corny end, I will, I, will, I will finish now. Thank you. All right, thank you, Andrew. Um, thank you to our first set of speakers for showing us uh, eFood and the FSS tools. Um, and setting, and then setting the stage quite nicely for our upcoming panel as well. We've got four speakers uh, in our panel. Our first uh, speaker is Alan Renison, Senior Program Officer, uh, Agricultural Development, Global Growth and Opportunity at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Um, Alan could not be with us in person, but he has shared with us uh, the following recorded contribution. Hello everyone, my name is Alan Renison. I'm a program officer at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation uh, based in Seattle. I work in the agriculture team uh, and I'm delighted to have this opportunity to provide some comments at the start of the session on the food security simulator. Thank you to, to IFPRI and the CGIRNPS initiative for, for inviting me to speak and apologies that I, I can't join uh, join the session uh, live today. Uh, so at the Gates Foundation, I, I manage a body of work um, that focuses on providing governments with access to modeling tools and other analytics 
to support policy decision making relating to inclusive agricultural transformation, IAT. Um, we all know that uh, governments are faced with, with many policy objectives relating to poverty reduction, job creation, rural growth, climate adaptation, women's empowerment, and very importantly, food security and nutrition. Um, they face multiple policy objectives and they have multiple policy instruments to choose from. Um, and so at the Gates Foundation, we are interested in supporting the development and deployment of these tools um, to best serve government's uh, decision making. Now, in the time of, of crisis, I'm sure you will talk more about the recent food price crises um, that have affected agriculture uh, in Kenya, Nigeria and beyond. Um, governments in, in those times need, need quick response. They need analytics that will inform decision making in the short term um, as well as the long term. And this new food security simulator with its demand side lens um, and its, its fairly simple and easy to use uh, interface certainly provides um, a, a useful entry point to some of that short term uh, decision making and, and some quite quite clean and smart analytics with which to assess uh, food price shocks, income shocks, and policy choices, uh, which could relate to, to income transfers, cash transfers, um, and, and other, other policy instruments. And what do those choices mean for, for food consumption and, and diets? Um, well, we have a tool now that we, could, we, can, we can have a good conversation about, about what that means. And at the foundation, dietary improvement is, is really core. It's one of our, our, our major goals in our results framework um, that's focused on inclusive agricultural transformation. And the tool is easy to use. I have the privilege of, of, of being able to work with uh, different modeling teams, not just from IFPRE, but beyond. Uh, and I get good insight into the different tools that they offer. And this one is easy to use. Um, I spent quite a while playing with the tool, asking in simple questions, uh, and, and shifting curves around and, and interpreting those curves. And uh, my real uh, thanks to the FP team for developing something that the layperson can actually en engage with. And I encourage everyone on the, the seminar today participating in the, in the call to, to get involved with the tool, have a, have a try of it, um, look at it more, more closely. So with that, I'll say many thanks again to the IFPRI team for inviting uh, me to make some, some remarks at the start of the session. Uh, and I hope you, you have a, a good conversation and uh, yes, happy to talk more about these, the, this new food security simulator tool or any other, of the other tools that the Gates Foundation supports. And uh, enjoy the rest of the session. Thank you. All right. Uh, thanks to Alan for, for sharing that contribution. Uh, our next uh, panelist is Uts Pate, lead economist at the World Bank in Abuja. So over to you. Perfect. Um, thank you so much. Uh, first, let me apologize that uh, I'm still in the car. I had hoped that I should have arrived like a couple of hours ago. Delayed. Um, so let me um, make a few quick comments. And um, of course, I'm uh, very excited to be um, part of this panel. Like first, um, I do fully agree with, uh, I think the introduction that Clemens gave about the importance of better understanding what's the impact on, um, on food security of food price shocks. And price shocks, I mean, exactly as Clemens pointed out, I mean, you see them like very widespread. So I think there's a real need to like better understand the impacts. And for me, it's also very clear that this tool um, helps to fill a very important gap in this respect. I think there are lots of advantages of the tool. I mean, it's sophisticated. Um, it is uh, empirical with a um, good and rigorous methodology. We may have lost Uts, so um, we can move on to our next panelist and then come back to Uts once, once we've regained connection there. So um, now our next panelist, took part in the NPS blog competition on the food security simulator for Kenya. Uh, the competition took place this summer and it invited participants uh, of this year's cohort of Kipra's Young Professionals Program, who had received an online training by, by Olivier and Andrew, uh, to try and utilize the tool themselves to analyze a food policy related question or problem, whether it was actual or uh, hypothetical. Uh, the winner would be eligible for a short-term uh, internship with the IFPRI Kenya office. 
the winning blog was entitled Short-Term Effects of Food Price Shocks Ensuing Expiration of the Black Sea uh, Grain Deal, a food security simulation. And its writer is Dora Momanyi, a young professional at uh, Kipra. So over to you, Dora. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I'll wait for my slides to be up. Thank you. So I'm Dora Mumani, a young professional at Kipra, and I'm going to share my experience and results from uh, from using the food security simulator that, uh, that showed the short-term effects of food price shocks and seeing the expiration of the Black Sea grain deal. And next slide, please. So wheat, whose per capita consumption in Kenya is averages 42 um, kilograms, is um, is ranked third uh, most important food after maize and and starch starch roots. But the average production in Kenya is about 0.3 million metric tons. So Kenya today meets its deficit by importing about. 1.8 million metric tons of wheat and 40% of these is um, imported from Russia and Ukraine. So you can imagine Kenya is very vulnerable to the effects of the Russia-Ukraine war. So uh, for almost one year, the UN brokered the Black Sea uh, Grain Initiative between Turkey, Russia, and Ukraine to ensure grains, uh, they still export grains to low income and low middle income countries, and Kenya was a beneficiary. Uh, but the, um, uh, the Black Sea Grain Initiative ended in July uh, 2023. Kenya, which is facing the effects of climate change, um, a few a few months ago drought and now floods, and of course we are just recovering from the effects of COVID nineteen. We are indeed affected with the effects of the Russia Ukraine war, and especially on food prices, and ultimately affecting all dimensions of food and nutrition security. Next slide. So uh, to what extent, we often ask, to what extent uh, do the price shocks affect various dimensions of food security at household level, such as food consumption, the prevalence of undernutrition, how is the household food uh, consumption expenditure and that quality affected by price shocks and by price shocks and income shocks? And so I used the food security simulator tool to write my, my blog and my experience was an easy to download and install tool with an, a very easy and user-friendly interface, the Excel that we are used, uh, used to. Next slide. Uh, so my key findings, um, a 10% shock in wheat, in wheat prices resulted to an, a decrease in household, in food poverty, and also a decrease in undernourishment. I also found um, a 0.2% increase in consumption of other foods, but also a 0.5% improvement in the diet quality. So intuitively, we could expect that an increase in food prices could reduce disposable incomes of households, thus resulting to higher poverty levels. But um, however, households are often characterized by the heterogeneous food preferences. And given the cross price elasticities of demand expressed by most households, you find when the price of one food product, and in my study, an increase in the prices of food and uh, an increase in the price of wheat. And in this context, which does not play a significant role in the day-to-day -day household's debt. Um, so an increase in price of a food product will result to a shift in consumption to other type of um, food food products or food groups. And from the simulation, you will see that there was an increase in consumption of um, foods like vegetables and fruits. And we all know these are expensive alternatives. So what do we expect at household level? We expect that household um, food consumption expenditure will increase. And um, we will expect um, that the household will spend more in buying other alternative foods 
and if the if the alternative foods are are fruits and vegetables which are high dietary quality foods we will expect an increase in the diet quality indicators at household level which translates to a decrease in the prevalence of undernutrition as observed in my in my findings next slide so who can use the food security simulator tool since we've said it's a very easy to use tool so policymakers can use the tool humanitarian agencies international organizations and the government can also use the tool in kenya for example the government um that is um, championing the the better agenda can use the tool and you know in the better agenda we are also focusing on reducing imports of of foods like wheat rice and sorghum but also in increase exports and um, we we know this will definitely uh, impact the prices of food of foods in kenya but if you couple this with the changes in incomes in kenya today that result from the implementation of the tax bill uh, that means we need to observe the immediate or the short-term effects of the changes in prices resulting from um, the imports and exports, but also the income uh, shocks in the short term. But the tool can also be used in foreseeing emergency responses in, case, in, in, in cases of um, uh, price and income shocks to, to give cash transfers or provide other food alternatives and even food subsidies. Uh, the tool also prompts us to continuously collect data, to continuously generate accurate data and make it available so that we are able to uh, determine the, the extent of shocks in, in the short term. But we also need to improve data availability and accessibility. Next slide. So as uh, a winner of the blog competition, I will be a beneficiary of a training uh, from IFPRI, uh, further training on the food security simulator tool. I will also, um, from from the knowledge, I will capacity build my teammates and my peers uh, on the importance of using this tool. But I will also benefit, I'll be a beneficiary of um, IFPRI projects that are run currently in Kipra, where I am a young professional. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, Dora. Um, and then our next panelist is Temitayu Adeyemo, agricultural economist um, and a gender responsive agriculture systems policy fellow in the African Women in Agriculture Research and Development Program, uh, as well as a lecturer in the Department of Agriculture Economics at the University of Ibadan, Nigeria. So over to you, Temitayu. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you very much for allowing me to give my reflections on this um, food security simulator for, for Nigeria. Um, next slide, please. Um, so we know that um, recent global and even domestic events um, bring about shocks within the Nigerian food system, of course, in the old system, but you know the food system is really important for now. Um, and in this um, FSSN, the Russia and Ukraine war, the post-COVID-19, global supply chains, um, inflation, and all sorts, all, all other things. Um, domestic events such as the um, security issues that have um, impacted on agricultural production and low infrastructure base have all, you know, um, served to introduce shocks and some constraints within the agri-food system. And um, it is obvious that one needs um, a a, a a form of speedy adjustment in policies to ensure that livelihoods and living standards are not um, negatively impacted. It is obvious, therefore, that the um, FSSN provides this opportunity, helps to generate data quickly so that policy intervention can easily slide into and ensure that um, negative consequences of these shocks are reduced. It makes us um, have short-term effects, understand the short-term effects of shocks to inform um, immediate policy. Um, also, it's important that we see them, that this FSSN helps to show policy trade-offs when we have different policy intervention. And this um, reminds me of systems and feedback mechanisms in the system dynamics um, framework where some policies will 
um, ensure changes in one system and bring about changes in in um, in, in the other system. Um, this this tool I see again is versatile for policies, for researchers and for students. Um, helps to link academics and policy research without the encumbrance of computational computational constraint. And I want to go back to the Nigerian example um, of looking at the trade-offs. I used an hypothetical example of um, food price increases. And um, specifically, I looked at the increase in the staple food that um, almost everybody, rural and urban residents take, that is rice. Please, can you go to the next slide? And um, in the wake of the May, May 2023 removal of fuel subsidy, this and uh, this in informed um increase in inflation, which was of course riding on existing inflation and food price inflation um really jumped up the sky within the within the Nigerian system. I'm using the um 20, July 2023 data to look at um increase in rice prices, um 39.96% in the rural areas for local rice and 33.8% for um, imported rice, which is what is mainly consumed in the urban area. And um, we find that um, from, from the baseline, there was a 1% reduction in, 1% increase in food poverty rates on the national scale, and um, even more so in the urban areas at 1.1%. The prevalence of undernourishment was highest in the urban areas and almost non-existent well, not almost non-existent in the in the rural area was um, negative, so it, it it reduced. And why did it reduce? I if if I was able to show the graph, um, there was the substitution effect of this cross price elasticity, where there was a shift in consumption of rice to roots and tubers within 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 that period. And so that that was an interesting finding for me. Using within a very short time, I was able to find this simulated. Um, Effect and then I, in looking at um, feedbacks and um, trade-offs, um, the government has tried to um, develop the social register and said there will be a cash transfer to the poorest of the poor household. And therefore, I tried to um, put an increase in income at five percent for urban households and three percent for rural households to see what that that effect will be were in the presence of this um, price increase shock. And I need you to see that the price increase is um, the, the blue, I'm sorry, and the red is the um, price increase with cash transfer. And for the urban areas, there was a slight reduction, just a slight reduction in prevalence of um, undernourishment. However, this that did not happen for the national and, um, and the rural rural um, sector. Next slide, please. So this, this showed, um, Indeed, that the simulator was easy to use, was very quick in giving me um, issues that would come up where this, the, the policy, which was, first of all, the removal of first subsidy, which rode on inflation, improve, increased the inf um, food price inflation, and then um, expectation of um, income increases um, through the cash transfer. Thank you very much for that, um, the national, uh, the MPS. Um, this is this is a very good tool, and I know that policymakers, researchers, and every everyone really interested in the food security system will um, will find this useful. However, um, one wants to also ask that um, could we explore the inclusion of more of Nigeria's diversity? Um, if if one looks at the data on food prices, there are regional differences, and this may be very important. Regional differences in the food pricing, in even even shocks. The allocation specific shocks, the allocation specific um, cultural um, preferences for food. And so um, uh, one is asking, can this data be disaggregated on um, the regional variable? I know it is available, that that variable is available in the NLSS. Is it possible that this model um, helps to also bring that out? Um, another question I would want to um, ask again, or ask that we look into is intra-household allocation. I'm listening to it. I realize that this is also level, but then could we look at it and see what would be the effects of, of policies, for example, the cash transfer or subgroups within um, within households and across across regions. 
Um, I was going to also look at um, extension to other welfare effects of shocks, the production um, system itself, and, and other things. Um, of course, knowledge transfer, training and adaptation um, for students and researchers is also very important. And thank you very much for this opportunity. Very interesting. Thank you very much, Dimitayo. Um, I'd like to remind everyone that the Q&A session is coming up, so please uh, submit your questions in the Q&A box at the bottom if you would like to participate in that. Um, I think Ut has rejoined us, so I'm going to turn it back to uh, Ut Pape, lead economist at the World Bank in Abuja. Over to you, Ut. Perfect. Um, thank you so much. So um, I'm going to keep my video off, um, hoping that the connection is going to hold a bit better. And uh, let me quickly recap what I was saying. Like first, um, I fully appreciate the importance of um, looking into like the food food security differences depending on price changes. I think Clemens already pointed out how relevant it is, and I fully agree with that. I think it's also very good to have a tool like this. I mean, it is sophisticated. It's empirical with a rigorous methodology and it's easy to use, uh, which I really appreciate. And I think it's, it's a great achievement. Um, I do have um, a few suggestions um, that I think may be helpful in like thinking in how to further develop the tool. And just let me quickly come to those. So the first one is, um, I mean, the code is great. Uh, the, the, the tool is great. But I was wondering whether, for example, it would be also feasible to share the code that underlies the estimation and the calculation of the um, elasticities, because I think this would even further um, create a public good that others um, would be very interested in. The second one is the need to update. And this was mentioned, I think, by several speakers that um, when new survey data is becoming available or when new countries should be integrated, that, um, of course, the elasticities would need to be recalculated. And so, I mean, I do appreciate, of course, that it's easy for IFTE to do, but my sort of concern is a little bit that if this is not properly institutionalized, what often happens in these cases is that once the project is finished, there's no funding anymore, and some key people might have moved on, who is taking care of updating um, the elasticities? The um, third point is on validation. Uh, I have no doubt, know that the tool obviously will predict food security changes depending on price changes but the question is really how realistic are they and so i think it would be really great to use the tool to um, retrospectively for example um, simulate some shock of prices and then compare with actual survey data that is available and you know in, in, in very many different countries even at the time of, of a shock and see how well does the food security simulator actually um, predict or estimate the actual shock that has been observed. I think this would give uh, and add a lot to better understanding how good the tool is. Um, now, my fourth and last point is on trade-offs. Um, the simplification in the Excel tool comes at a cost. I mean, there's no question. No? Uh, it is really nice to see the Excel tool, and I definitely appreciate it's nice to use. Um, but of course, this also means that the model, to some extent, is um, like more simplistic than it could be otherwise, and it makes um, important assumptions. And this now brings me a little bit back to the uh, point on the validation, the importance of validating the assumptions or that the assumptions actually make sense. The um, second part to that, and that's, I think, my more critical point, is really to think about how does the um, tool uh, act with own produced food. And especially in rural areas, in Nigeria, in Kenya, a lot of farmers are exactly the ones that are very easily and quickly exposed to food insecurity. However, the question really is, an increase in prices of food, what does it do to them? And in a sense, there are three different ways you can sort of you know, like think about it in a, in a nutshell. The first one is, well, it doesn't matter whether a household produces or doesn't produce food, you just ignore that fact. And you basically say that if the price of food increases, the consumption of that household goes down because more of the budget needs to go to food. Um, now here, the question, and that's, I think, what the tool at the moment does. Now, you could also be more neutral and just like say, well, households that produce their own food, we don't uh, let uh, shock them with the price for the goods that they actually produce themselves. That would be a little bit more neutral 
and make sure that you basically capture the fact that they can um, sustain their consumption without increased um, budget, given that they produce the food themselves. In a sense, though, this ignores input costs no? that might increase as well. Now, the third way to think about it is that it's actually a positive shock. And this means that, well, a household produces food, the price is increased in the market, so the household can actually sell the food and therefore increase their budget constraint. Um, again, this, of course, also makes assumptions on input costs and so on. Now, my main point really is that it's not super clear how these, um, how you should deal with own producing households. And this is definitely something we grapple with quite a bit in Kenya as well as Nigeria when we do these kinds of um, simulations. And so I think it is really relevant. We see this when we look at the differences in the poverty changes, depending on the assumptions that you make, especially uh, between these three categories that I just mentioned. And um, you'll find that um, the effect is huge, especially in rural areas versus urban areas. Um, and so my point here really is to like think more about the model assumptions, make them maybe a little bit more explicit. Um, assumes. So these are like my quick four points that I wanted to share. Thank you so much again for the opportunity. And of course, also thank you if we, for making um, the tool as a public good available as it is. Uh, this is, uh, I think, really great. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to all of our panelists and speakers. Uh, we have a few minutes for Q&A. I'd like to ask all of our speakers and panelists, if possible, to open their cameras and, and join me on screen to take these questions. And then I also encourage everyone in the audience to continue to submit your questions through the Q&A box uh, at the bottom of your screen. And remember, please, to tell us who your question is for. <laughs> all right, let's see. Um, so we have a number of questions on uh, where to find links for things. I think they have been posted in the in the chat. Maybe they can be reposted for, for ease of reference at the moment. But there is one question for, I suppose, Olivier and, and Andrew about, is it possible to modify and introduce new indicators in the FSS tool? Yes, um, so let me take let me take this question. Yes, that is absolutely um, possible. We do make a certain selection about um, which indicator we would like to uh, to include because the focus is really here on food consumption diet and food security more broadly. But technically, that is no problem. It is also no problem to um, expand that tool to regional uh, areas or even have a regional tool or region specific tool for for several uh, regions. Um, let me also quickly comment on on Ot's last point about trade-offs and and especially um, um, you know simplicity versus more complex um, to some extent uh, uh, general equilibrium models. Um, yes, indeed, that there is a trade-off. But I think uh, Andrew had pointed out that the focus of of the food security simulators is really to have a first cut tool that gives you a good information about a shock and the immediate impacts. The next point that I would like to make is regarding its point on, on seasonality. You know, if you really look at Nigeria, if you look at farmers, in fact, over the entire year, um, only 33% of the entire food consumption of a farmer, uh, it comes from own production on average in Nigeria. Now, we also have uh, in all farmers across Africa, as well as everywhere else, we have seasonality. And you know, food price uh, shocks affect farmers differently across the year. And we know that most of the food price shocks happens in the off-farm season. And that is exactly the time when most farmers are in fact consumers, net consumers. Nevertheless, of course, um, and there are certain trade-offs that we have to do in our modeling, but you should know that we do account for the degree of a farmer being a net producer versus a net consumer in the estimation of, of the elasticities. I'll leave it with that, um, but I'll be happy to further discuss this issue. Over. Thank you. Um, all right, I think there are uh, mainly other questions on, on access to the tools. There is one question on guidelines on how to use the eFood dataset. Um, would yes. you like to 
Yes. Um, so I showed I showed um, the slides before regarding the the access and the download. Um, there is a QR code that you can easily scan. But um, if you go through the chats, you will also see that there are direct links to the different to the different tools. For the for the eFood data set, um, we have a detailed menu um, on how the how to use that data set. It comes with the tool. Um, if you want to have further instruction of, you know, what is behind it, which formulas are used, what are their assumptions, I would like to uh, refer you to our uh, IFPRI data paper that documents the methodology. Yumna? Thank you. Uh, another question is, are there any other countries where you plan to develop the tool? Yes, there are. There as as demand becomes as demand and funding becomes available uh we're, we're happy to to develop the tool in a variety of other places i believe we're currently in the process of looking into malawi and ethiopia but uh both of those are data data constrained slightly right now but really it's it's just a matter of uh, us getting interest from from people in the country getting data from the country and of course always getting a little bit of funding from the country Thank you. Uh, another question is, can the tool be employed at the subnational level? Yes, that is what I, I think I answered before already. Um, again, um, if we see, um, as, as Andrew has pointed out, we have heard that comment several times um, during various trainings and, and our launch events. Yes, so one of the next steps in further developing this tool would be to really have region-specific tools um, to also explore a little bit, you know, what are the different effects in the different regions and to better consider uh, local consumption patterns. But also, as Andrew has pointed out, what matters here is really the data availability and the data quality having sufficient uh, observation in each of these uh, regions that we are looking at for those food items and food groups we are interested in. Thank you. Um, can you simulate the impacts of floods and droughts? That's another question. Sure. If you have a, the, the, the tool works explicitly through price and income shocks, and it's totally agnostic as to where those price and income shocks come from. So if you have a plausible way or even just make up price shocks and income shocks that would be the result of a flood or any kind of natural natural disaster, it absolutely will 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 evaluate that. Thank you. And a uh, couple questions also are: Is there any demand from francophone countries, and to whom can we address a request for using the tool? I think that on the second one, I think they've mentioned a few times now that the links are in the chat. And you can download from there, but the one question that remains is any demand from francophone countries. Um, we have heard, um, um, we have received uh, some requests, yes, um, and we are exploring. Uh, we are exploring uh, the opportunities. So um, just just yesterday, um, we we heard especially from from some West African countries, um, but of course. Um, we, we're looking into into the different requests, but um, I also would like to invite um, Clemens um, um, to comment here. Yeah, thanks, Olivier, and and thanks everyone. Great session. I I, I was listening in. Um, yeah, so I think. Uh, at the core of the National Policies and Strategies Initiative is not only informing policies, but also responding to demand. That's a, that's a really a key principle that we are, we are following here. Um, we are receiving a lot of demand, especially in countries where we have a presence, where we have longstanding partnerships with, with government. And the food security simulator is, is no exception. So uh, as you have said, Olivier, we are, we are currently looking into the, the growing demand and um, we're looking forward to, to work with uh, many more countries and, and many more partners in those countries. All right. Uh, thank you, everyone. I think with that, we've come to the end of our uh, allocated time for today's seminar. So we hope you've enjoyed participating. A reminder that uh, all links posted in the chat box, as well as slides and, and the recording of this seminar will be made available on our website in a few weeks time. 
Um, I'd like to thank the organizing and technical team who really have supported the smooth running of, of uh, this seminar. I'd also like to thank all of our uh, speakers and uh, panelists. Thank you also to our partners and our partners in, in Kenya and Nigeria. Um, and uh, I would also like to thank our donors who make the uh, CJR initiative on national policies and strategies and the work that we do uh, a possibility. So thank you very much, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed the seminar and have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye.